Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Welcome to the show. I'm your host today, Ed Clementi. We're very fortunate to have Tom Lutz. He's the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. And that's a mouthful for what you guys represent. So what do you tell people when you first bump into them and say, you know, what is the Council of Carpenters and Millwrights, for example? Basically, we're a representative organization that represents men and women that work in skilled labor. And we have a lot of different crafts that we'll get into. But, you know, primary functions we do today are training and recruiting. And for the not sole purpose, but really important purpose of trying to fill the skilled trades gap uh, for, for people here in Michigan and for our contractors and for our companies that we're recruiting to come to our state. And so we do that uh, by providing people the opportunity to make a good living in a valuable profession. And so not everyone, everyone kind of knows what a carpenter is. What's a millwright? Yeah, so a millwright are the men and women that actually power the industries that our state is so intertwined with. So think of people that uh, install, uh, repair, and maintain the things that power industry. So things like conveyor systems, uh, automated uh, conveyor systems that run assembly lines. So that's an immediate uh, recognition point for millwrights. But we also do things like install, maintain, and repair hydraulic pumps and align electric motors so that the power is put to work and efficiency in our manufacturing facilities. I like to say uh, everyone's pretty familiar with the automotive industry in Michigan. And when they go home on their shutdowns, the millwrights go to work and make sure that they're building and their tooling works so that they can be productive members of Michigan throughout the remainder of the year. Well, I'm fortunate the most because I had like three cousins that were all millwrights. I know what it is, but and they would say we're the most important people on the plant because if we don't show up, stuff can break down and no one's there to fix it. So they they're extremely skilled and they are dedicated men and women that literally power the industries that power our economy and our state. Yeah. Yeah. And as we're going to see, as we see more plants going up and things like that, they're going to be even more important. And let's get that. You kind of touched on this just a teeny bit, but uh, I mean, I was always in the, when I worked in the legislature, I always had the support of the skilled trades such as yourself. And, but they're really the ones that were sort of the heart and soul somewhat of business in this state because we're a big manufacturing state. And I know that uh, you probably have, a you know, we're talking about talent. And let's just say this real quick. You're up in Nagani, Michigan today in the UP. And why, tell us why you're there and what other spots you have you might be at someday. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, we represent over 12 different locals, representing over 14,000 men, men and women across our state. So I like to say from Monroe to Marquette, people seem to get the point. But the reality of it is, is that we're in so many locations because that's where our customers are. That's where our contractor base is. That's where our members are. And that's where our industries are. So I happen to be in one of our newer training centers here in Nagani, Michigan. It's one of three that we've built over the last, say, 48 months or so. 
We opened a brand new training center in Wayland, Michigan, just south of Grand Rapids. I'm in Nagani. I'm 41, just west of Marquette. And of course, the newest one we just opened in the city of Detroit. But it's not the only places we are. We also have training centers in Saginaw and in Grayling. And those are supported by local buildings around the state as well. And so you probably, I, I know I overly focused on millwrights, but tell us a little bit about carpenters too, because I think carpenters aren't exactly just carpenters. I think they do a lot of stuff. Yeah. So one of the most important things that we do uh, is, is in recruitment and educating people about the many careers. And um, one of the fallacies about skilled trades is that they're jobs and they're not, they're truly um, a lattice, a, a, a potent, endless potential of career opportunities. But let me begin with some of the skills that we teach. So we have carpenters, and I'm not talking decking, siding, windows, or roof for your house. I'm talking foundations, interior systems, doors and hardware, metal stud and drywall, acoustical ceilings, architectural millwork and panels. We also represent unique things in Michigan. We have a display industry. The men and women that don't just build high-end architectural millwork for the interior systems that we do, but also for things like the display industry. The North American International Auto Show is a great example of that. We also represent pile drivers. People don't really understand pile drivers any better than they understand mill rides, but these are the men and women that shore up the earth, creating a solid foundation for us to build the high rises, the iconic buildings that everyone recognizes. For example, in the city of Detroit, we worked for months and months and months shoring up the foundation of that building with pile drivers and other crafts in order to build a high rise. Another great example of that is, of course, the Gordie Howe Bridge, one of the most important infrastructure projects, not just in our state, but to our country. If it weren't for the skills of a pile driver, we would be uh, misserved. We would, we would be unable to build those projects without skilled people. So, but we also represent things that people don't correlate. We, we represent floor layers and divers, people that do the types of work that we've discussed, but underwater. So we have uh, carpenters, both residential and commercial, pile drivers, mill cabinet, resilient floor decorators, millwrights. We also have lathers. And people think of lath as a, been replaced by metal studs and drywall. But when you work in an industrial setting, you often have to build a structure that we can uh, use to you know, support the infrastructure for big things. Think of insulation or those types of components inside of a uh, energy plant. And just to touch a little bit more on the bridge. I mean, I don't think people realize that is because I live downriver. So I know downriver Detroit. And um, I, I drive through that whole section almost three times, four times a week where all the cranes are now. And that is like the biggest project. And it's like you said, that's really going to change the face of, even of North America, I think somewhat, not just, just the U.S., but also North America as to how we are going to be on the international scale as we maybe onshore more companies and those kind of things that uh, – you, how many, you probably don't know off the top of your head, but you, are those a lot of workers there that you have? Like a thousand? I don't even know how many people work there. There are hundreds. And hundreds, it okay. varies depending upon the craft jurisdiction and the work at the time. But we have concrete carpenters there doing the forms and pouring up. But we also we have, we have uh, uh, pile drivers there. Uh, another unique aspect of pile driving and carpenter work is welders. 
We have a lot of welders on that site. We have a lot of riggers because, as you can imagine, the pieces of infrastructure that we build and set in place require a very specific, uh, not just precision rigging and moving of large pieces of equipment, but in order to be able to do it safely. You know, we like to say we skill, we train skills, hard skills all the time, but nothing is more important than someone going home at the end of the day. And that kind of ties right in to what we believe in. That is, we believe that people that do the hard work, that build the physical world that we all live in, not just our companies, but the places we go to school, the places we go to get healed, our healthcare facilities, our educational facilities, our community things, the places where we go watch our heroes play the sports we love so much. All of those things are interdependent upon these people and they deserve a fair and equitable voice, right? In their careers. And so that's why we believe what we do is so important. And it's oftentimes misunderstood the valuable impact of, you know, not just a, a, a representation and training facility, but a voice for working people and changing the mindset. You know, for way too long, the trades were considered lesser when compared to things like a four-year degree. It is our responsibility to educate the community and the impacts that we have. Now, think about a young man or woman that might be unsure of what they want to do. We've all heard the story of someone that goes to college for three or four years, gets a degree, and decides that they can't work in a cubicle. I get to tell that story all the time because we've lived it. The difference between working in the skilled trades and developing what you want to do as a career versus going to college is, is you get paid to come here and do this. And there's no debt. We collectively, as an organization, have committed funding with our contracting partners to make sure that that education has value, is available, and they're respected so much by the industries that employ them, they pay them to learn. So that's the kind of story that I think the community doesn't understand about us. And that is this kind of story that also delivers the things that our communities rely on. You're listening to The Michigan Opportunity featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. You know, you talked a little bit about the apprenticeship, you know, kind of things, but why don't you tell someone who's never been through an apprentice program what is, what's exactly involved? Because I think it's like, you know, the apprenticeship journeyman things have been around forever. And we just don't really know how that system sort of works sometimes. At least outsiders don't that much. Yeah. So uh, we have a really unique opportunity as we go out and recruit young people to explore the skilled trade. So we we have a simple application process, which you can find on WW Build My Future. Uh, go to that website and it'll walk you through the process. But in essence, you simply need a high school diploma or a GED. But don't worry. If you don't have them, you can start the program. You just have to commit to getting them before you turn out at journey level. Those kinds of simple things are the qualifiers. And we're here to support you with other community partners, by the way, to help you get those skill sets. But once you show up at our door, you don't have to have experience. You have to have attitude and effort. We can teach you the hard skills. We've been doing that, as you mentioned, for generations and generations even before the 140 plus years that the UBC has been doing it in, in the United States. And we've been doing it almost that long in Michigan. But the reality of it is you come here, you learn a valuable set of schools starting with, or tools starting with safety. But primary 
uh, supporting skills like blueprint reading, math for the trades. I remember math. I always ask myself, why do I need to know what X means? When we have the ability to show them that X means linear feet of base or cubic yards of concrete, we impact the educational delivery system in a way that makes sense. And then you get to do the part that everyone chooses us for. And that is that we actually physically get to do things with our hands. And that's why so many people, this is the right choice for them because they can experience the reward of their physical labor. And uh, again, I, I think it's a story that we need to tell more. And it's surely the kinds of skills that we need to respect more in our communities and understand not just the struggle, but the rewards of these opportunities. Yeah, and, and you mentioned you just opened three new ones, and you also, I believe, serve on the Michigan's Executive Committee uh, Board. And But at least recently, there's been a strong push to support your efforts too, hasn't there? Uh, just That's kind of led to some of this acceleration, hasn't it? Well, uh, yes. Uh, the money that we spent in training centers truly has been paid for by our members and our contractors who decided together to allocate those funds for the future of the training, not just for our, not just for our contractors and our members, but for our state. But one of the challenges that we ran into is that the buildings are, are difficult to appraise, right? So they didn't neatly fit into the usual um, commercial or industrial categories. And, and so that left us with a gap in financing. Now, we paid, like everyone would suspect, our initial down payments, significantly more than a standard mortgage would require in a down payment. But we had that uh, appraisal issue. And so we are incredibly grateful to the, to the MEDC that stepped up with a $5 million what we would consider a gap financing. So through the collateral access program, now it's not a grant, we pay it back with interest. But the problem with financing these types of investments is the world, including the financial departments of the world, don't value them in the same way uh, as they do a standard commercial building or even a residential home. So we're extremely grateful for that. I will, I'll also say that we're thankful for the administration and for the legislature's recognition that we need to um, tell the labor story in a unique way that supports the skill sets that we need to effectively build our future. If contractors and companies are going to continue to move to Michigan, we need to build their buildings. And in order to do that, we need to have skilled labor. So I'm thankful that uh, we recently received a grant. Uh, and that grant will allow us to create a program, a mobile awareness, a fully experiential, immersive experience to talk to people in junior high and high school to show them what's available. You know, as you probably are well aware, lots of construction classes, vocational classes have been removed over the previous decades. And so people don't get to see it. So we do also uh, value that partnership. And I appreciate the opportunity for us to be the ones to help tell that story. Yeah, and is there any other sort of partners or stakeholders that uh, you work with? Uh, I know you mentioned the MDC, but I'm sure there's a ton of other ones you probably work with in your process. So we literally build the physical world we live in. So think of our customers as anyone that goes in or out of a building or across a bridge or down a road or into a mine. All right. Uh, all of those people are our customers. So we have lots and lots of stakeholders. But listen, I would be remiss 
if I didn't thank and recognize our contracting partners. These are the men and women that employ our over 14,000 members every single day. They invest in their education, as we just talked about. But they also invest in them as people. They invest in them as people by giving them good wages and healthcare benefits and a way to honorably retire. So I, I have to first acknowledge the, the stakeholders that are my closest partners, the one that we negotiate the collective bargaining agreements that supply all of these things too. And those are my contracting partners. But listen, the real stakeholder is our communities. And those are made up the men and women that actually physically do the work. These are the men and women that strap on their tool bolts and get in the mud and get hot and sweaty and sometimes cold. We do all of these things to build the physical world we live in. So, you know, uh, we have huge partners that we do substantial amount of work with. Uh, we mentioned the automobile industry, been a great supporter of organized labor, the carpenters and many of the skilled trades across our state. But we have new industries as well. We have new industries that we're moving into as we improve our world. Things like uh, new and green energy partners. Uh, we have uh, we have new partners in trends in construction, things like mass timber or solar, uh, innovative partners that help us bring this cutting edge training and the right now in demand skills that make these things a success. It's literally too many to list, but we're thankful for all of them. Yeah, and you sort of answered my next question, unless there was something else, but any other trends you see for your 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 uh team or your, you know, your skilled trade folks that you see are on the horizon beyond what you just mentioned? Yeah. So uh, I, I think we all know the amount of uh, opportunity to improve our infrastructure. We all know the recent um, bipartisan support for improving that infrastructure. So I think trends in the short term, and you can check this on any uh, uh career forecast, right? Constructions amongst those. But there are really unique uh, and interesting developments in those things. I mentioned solar, uh, mass timber, the evolution of construction technology. Actually, I say evolution, maybe it's like everything else in life, a little bit of a circle. But it's the utilization of those things that make construction feel real to people. Uh, also, make no mistake that it's about healthy building and green building, sustainable building. Those are the trends that we see uh, in the in the short term. Uh, last couple of questions. You might have already touched on this somewhat, but if you were your high school self again, what would you tell you? You kind of touched on it a little bit, but what would you tell yourself today to do as you look at the future? Well, I, I would say that you need to consider all of your options. And you need to pursue a path that speaks to you. We are an organization of people that have um, a really unique desire to be physical in the world and in our learning. And just because you don't seem to fit somewhere else just probably means you haven't found the place you fit. So don't give up on that. Explore all of your options. And, you know, for too long, right, we were a default uh, for people that did not succeed in a traditional academic society, you have to look past that. They don't know uh, what they're keeping from you when they when they uh, exclude you from traditional academics. But there's there's solid places for you. I, you know, our four year apprenticeship program gives young people a skill that you can't take away. 
I tell people all the time, if you come here and you uh, learn a skill set, whether it's carpentry or millwrights or, or floor covering or architectural mill cab, and you decide to become an accountant later, you didn't lose those skills. You might be building your own home. That's a plus plus. But if you go to school to become on a more traditional uh, career path and then you switch to construction, sometimes those things are less valuable. So look at it as a whole. And let me give you a couple examples. There's a young lady that came to us just a few years back. She's about 18, 19 years old. And her grandmother had seen a summer camp program that we had worked on. And this young lady was extremely successful in the academic program. Matter of fact, she had scholarships on the table. But she didn't feel like that's where she fit. She came from a somewhat um, underserved community. And so there were some economic challenges. And she didn't experience financial independence. She came to us and found a place that helped fill the family void, the community void in her life. But I got to tell you, the look on her face when she was in her third year, when she said to me, hey, I just paid off my truck. And I'm in my own home. And I have zero debt. That's what I would tell young people today. I would tell people that if you have the desire, and if you have the will, we can help you find the way. You said a couple stories. You said one other one, I thought, too. Did you have a second one? Yeah. So the, the other story I've kind of related a few times, but I think it's really important to hear. I can't tell you the number of students that come through our doors with college educations in careers that they cannot, they can't work in. They can't live there. Oftentimes, as a young person, we go to the influencers in our lives direction before our own. This is an economic challenge, not just financial, but it sometimes can kill the will to succeed. When they have followed a path that people laid out before them without taking into consideration how their personal impact would be. And so I have men and women with, with accounting degrees and, and with educational degrees. And I have men and women that spent significant amount of times in the manufacturing, pursuing manufacturing education, and they just can't walk through the same door every day without a new challenge. And I would say explore those things before you make the decision to either financially impact yourself in a less than positive way or before the self, before the world tells you what it is you're supposed to do. Listen to your heart. You know if you're supposed to be here, we'll be here when you're ready. And your very last question, and I know already one of your answers may be, but what do you like doing best or what do you like best about Michigan? <laughs> so the Pure Michigan ads kind of summarize how I feel about us physically. I love Four Seasons. I love change. I think all those things are great. So I love being able to be on a beach in the summer and ride a snowmobile in the winter. I'm a motorcyclist, so I love to be able to get out and feel that physical world. But to be honest, the one thing that really resonates with me is the people of Michigan. I think that's what makes doing what I do so easy and why I'm so proud of the work that we do, because it impacts people. But the true Midwest grit that has made Michigan great, that has led economies and industries for decades. The true resiliency of our state and the beauty of our state is not in the beauty that surrounds us. It is the beauty that is our people. And for all of those reasons, I love Michigan. Well put. Well, 
I want to thank again our guest today, Tom Lutz. He's the Executive Secretary Treasurer of the Michigan Regional Council of Carpenters and Millwrights. Tom, I know you're a busy guy. Thanks again for taking time to do this with us today. You did a great job. Well, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I look forward to working together with you, the MEDC and the state of Michigan to make us great. Join us next week where our guest is going to be David Wang. He's the CEO for Beat, a global software engineer company for manufacturing. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.